What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our awesome friends from Hy-V and Toyson Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper. The start of the NFL season is tonight with the Kansas City Chiefs welcoming the Detroit Lions to kick off this NFL season. So we have got a jam-packed episode here of the Man Cave Podcast. We're going to be talking with Peter King, NBC Sports, Football Morning in America, host of the Peter King Podcast. He'll be uh, up first here in just a second. Then we got Rob Domofsky from ESPN talking all things Packers as we look ahead to Game 1 against the Bears on Sunday and the rest of the season for the Packers. Plus, I'm going to give you my season predictions, who's going to make the playoffs, and my Super Bowl picks. That's going to come at the end of this podcast because let's just jump right into it to help us preview the upcoming season from NBC Sports, writer of the fantastic column Football Morning in America, host of the Peter King podcast and covering his 40th NFL season, Mr. Peter King. Peter, welcome back and uh, we appreciate you uh, being on with us here this morning. Hey, good morning, Dan. How's How's life in Wisconsin? You know, it's finally starting to feel a little bit like uh, fall over here with these temperatures after having almost 100 degrees a few days ago. So now it's it's kind of starting to feel like football season, man. Same here. I'm in New York, and this has just been awful. This <laughs> so hopefully it'll break soon, and Giants and Jets have the Sunday and Monday night games this week, so there's a lot of excitement here in the metro area, too, as I know there is. Uh, about the Packers' brave new world. Absolutely, man. Hey, before we get to uh, get to that, first of all, congrats on en- embarking on your 40th season you're covering the NFL. And I know you're doing a really neat thing in your column where you're doing a video lookbacks at some of your favorite stories. And you got uh, Deion Sanders up here with your latest one. But, you know, with your career, Peter, what's been the most enjoyable part uh, of your career so far? You know, I think the fact that every... You know, when I went to college, Dan, in the 70s, went to Ohio University, and when I went to college, it was all about, I was going to be a regular writer for my career, a newspaper writer, and once the world started changing a bit, it's TV, it's radio, it's online, it's podcasting, so I think the variety of it really has been fun, but Mostly it's just telling stories in different ways. So I've enjoyed that a lot. Uh, in your latest column, uh, you just made some season predictions, too. You have the Eagles beating the Bills for, for your Super Bowl matchup. But uh, you also picked the Packers uh, to, to make the playoffs. And, and uh, you know, in the last few weeks, I think Packers fans, you know, they're heading into the season where they can see the team winning six games. Some can see them winning ten games. You in in your column when you were with uh, Packers practice about a month ago, you used the word patience. You kind of pe- preached patience to, to Packers fans. But what's maybe one thing that you would tell Packers fans that maybe would give them some optimism for this team or the future of this team? Well, I think Matt Lafleur is really kind of excited about the fact that he can now put his imprint on a young quarterback. Obviously, when when he came in to do this job, you know, you've got one of the great quarterbacks of this era and of all eras. 
And it's not like you say, hey, uh, here's the way I want you to do your cadence. or Here's the way I want you to do your drops. I mean, you, you're not going to change a lot of what Aaron Rodgers does, which is basically different now when you have Jordan Love. And I think that is one thing that LaFleur has really enjoyed. And I think that it's been good for this team, too, to... To have a uh, to have a new leader, to have a new voice, and I'm probably a little more optimistic than most people are about the Packers. But to me, I think that most teams at this time of year are optimistic. I'm just probably a little bit more optimistic about the Packers than most people are. When you were when you were at camp uh, about a month ago, and I know you were only there for for a day, did anything really stand out to you from watching uh, Packers practice or talking to anybody? Uh, with, with the Packers about this team? Yeah, I'll tell you a couple of things. To me, you know, I've always enjoyed the perspective of David Bakhtiari. And I think Bakhtiari, who clearly, and everybody knows, he's one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends in the world. And I think he liked the fact that there was going to be some newness around this franchise. And I think he liked the fact that there's a new kind of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed quarterback that nothing stays the same in football forever. And, you know, you've had Aaron Rodgers in one place for 17 years. And just the same as it was with Brett Favre, you know, you got to make changes. And I think veteran players on this team, and, and really there aren't that many of them, you know, old veterans, uh, I think they're open to this kid uh, because I think most of them look at Jordan Love and they look and see a guy who has put in the time, put in the work, and he's been a very, very good teammate so far. So I think a lot of guys on the Packers are sort of looking forward to this breath of fresh air with the team. Peter, also, how surprised were you when you heard the report, how was it, about a week or a week and a half ago, that the Packers were really interested in acquiring Jonathan Taylor? Well, I can't quite figure that one out. Yeah. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I'm not, Dan, I'm not in the business these days of chasing down every story and, and every tip like that. Uh, probably 15 years ago or so, I would have tried to talk to Brian Gutekunst and say, is this true? Uh, and how true was it? Not that I doubt the veracity of it at all. But I don't really understand what that would do other than, um, you know, giving them one more back in the stable. It just that's not a position when I look at the Packers that there's a lot of need for. So who knows? Maybe they made a phone call. Were they aggressive about it? It seems illogical to me, but a lot of things are illogical in the NFL. He's Peter King, Football Morning in America, host of the Peter King podcast as well. I know you you, you talked to Aaron Rodgers in part of your training camp previews. You, you visited Green Bay you know, in your conversations with, with the Packers and with Aaron Rodgers, did this just seem like a, a perfect time for, for a breakup between these two? Like, it, it's a good time to move apart from, from both the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? You know, look, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, Dan, that 
that uh, that Brian Gudikins, Mark Murphy, the the brain trust of the Packers wanted to move on. No doubt in my mind at all, because it was just becoming more difficult to have common, easy communications with Rogers. You're paying a guy 50 million bucks or whatever, and you can't get him on the phone. It's, you know, I think that they felt like without any question that the time was right to move to Jordan Love. And then I think Aaron's feeling was that it probably had run its course in Green Bay and it was time for him. And there was something very telling that he said. You know, he said basically that, you know, it's been 20 years since I was recruited, since Jeff Tedford came to me uh, in junior college and tried to get me to go to play for him at Cal. And he said, when the Jets came out and recruited him, he goes, that really felt good. And so sometimes we don't necessarily think of the human elements like that, but I think that meant a lot to Rodgers. Uh, you know, to, to kind of wrap it up here, Peter, no Tom Brady this year. Aaron Rodgers is wearing a different shade of green. Sean Payton is in Denver. DeMar Hamlin is back on the field. A lot of storylines heading into the season. What are some of the storylines that maybe pique your interest initially at, at the start of this season and as we get ready for, for kickoff tonight? Well, my feeling is that, you know, some of – the greatest teams are some of the teams with the biggest questions. Kansas City, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, right off the bat. San Francisco, the health of George Kittle. Uh, and whether a young quarterback can come back and play really well the way he did last year after having significant surgery. But in week one, one game that I don't think has gotten very much attention that I think is absolutely fascinating is Cincinnati at Cleveland. And that's because Cincinnati essentially has no idea what's going to happen when Joe Burrow goes out and what's going to happen when Miles Garrett chases Joe Burrow out of the pocket Sunday in Cleveland. You know, is that injured calf muscle that they hope is fully recovered, is that going to hold up? And and then on the other side, you know, let's let's ask because I don't really know, Dan. What right now is the physical and mental condition and the readiness of Deshaun Watson to play at a very very high level? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think the Cleveland Browns know the answer to that. So that game incorporates two gigantic storylines and not a lot of people are talking about Cincinnati Cleveland. Not to mention the fact that Joe Burrow is one and four against the Browns in his young career. So he can beat Patrick Mahomes and he can't beat Kevin Stefanski. It's just been kind of weird so far in Burrow's career. Yeah. Uh, AFC North or AFC East, which do you think is the toughest division? I think AFC East. Uh, I just I think that 
I like Pittsburgh. I like Cleveland. I like Baltimore. But I think there are three potential Super Bowl teams, or, or I should say deep into the playoffs teams in the East. And I don't know. I can't really envision anybody but Cincinnati making a deep run in the AFC North. Peter King, Football Morning in America, host of the Peter King Podcast, setting, uh, getting set to cover his 40th NFL season. We always appreciate your time, Peter. Thank you for, for hopping on and, and uh, catching up with us again. And, and best of luck and congrats on your 40th season, too. Hey, thanks a million, Dan. You have a great year, too. Take care. You, too. There you go. Thanks, Peter. Peter King. Always love chatting with our good friend Peter King and uh, getting to learn a little bit more every time we get to chat with him. Let's take a quick break. And speaking of getting to learn a little bit more, let's talk to Rob Domofsky from ESPN who covers the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk with him after this quick break. Hey there, smart shoppers. Get ready to experience the ultimate grocery adventure at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From fresh produce to gourmet delights, Hy-Vee is your go-to destination for quality and variety. Explore their aisles brimming with everything you need. Whether it's a family feast or a quick snack, they've got you covered. Every aisle is an adventure in good taste. And if you need a cold beverage afterwards, stop by the bar at Wahlburgers to quench that thirst. Shop smart, shop happy, shop Hy-Vee. Elevate your shopping game at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. ESPN NFL Nation Packers reporter Rob Demosky joining us uh, again here this morning. Rob, big thanks for for hopping on and uh, catching up with you again this morning. No problem, Dan. How how you doing? Not bad, man. Not bad. Uh, Got to lead things off with with the I think the big thing from yesterday. Christian Watson uh, not practicing. That means Romeo Dobbs and and now Watson dealing with a with a hamstring injury. Is today the day that? Maybe fans should get a little concerned if either one of those guys don't practice. Yeah, throw in uh, Dontavian Wicks, the fifth-round pick, also a receiver, also with a hamstring injury. So that's three of their six receivers that are dealing with hamstring injuries. Um, you know, I don't know if today is necessarily the day to freak out. Um, tomorrow would be a good time to start doing that, maybe. <laughs> uh, the last practice of the week. Look, Dobbs, we knew about. He had been dealing with uh, hamstring for two weeks he got hurt in practice um right before the seattle game uh didn't suit up for the seattle game so he's what two weeks maybe maybe a little more than two weeks out from this injury um so you'd think maybe he's got a chance uh watson we didn't know about this at least until yesterday maybe the team knew before but watson practiced last week when they had two practices on Wednesday and Thursday, and he seemed fine. So his injury, obviously, is much more recent, um, which makes you think that he is farther away mm-hmm. uh, f- from being able to play. So, uh, I mean, they're, they're potentially staring at a top-three trio of Samari Toure, who played 112 snaps last season and I think had five catches. Uh, maybe it was eight catches. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Jaden Reed, rookie second-round pick, and Malik Heath, undrafted rookie i mean that could be their top three receivers uh i i think the whole kind of view of the game changed um you know when we mm-hmm. found out watson was not practicing yesterday yeah absolutely you know a lot of and, you know i know this is the week everybody's kind of gotten some picks coming in season predictions and yeah and, and all that and i mean i'm finding seeing a lot more people picking the the packers to go to the postseason it seems like that 
Jordan Love narrative maybe has switched a little bit, but you've covered him for, for the last couple of years. What's the biggest difference you've seen from Jordan Love this year maybe uh, compared to years prior? Just confidence, uh, poise, you know, knowing where to go with the ball, being decisive, just being the guy. You know, like it's it's hard to sort of project that sometimes when you know you're not the guy and you know you're you're not going to probably play barring something unusual. So, um, you know, I, I just think he feels like, you know, it's kind of his team. There's not a lot of veterans here. Um, he's kind of, you know, the, the rookies, younger players who came in with him sort of look up to him a little bit versus everybody being older, uh, you know, being more of Roger's age and, and, you know, Roger's experience level. So I think that all plays into it. Um, I definitely think there's been um, an, uh, an improvement in him throughout training camp. I thought early in camp he was very inconsistent, had a couple good days, had some bad days. And, you know, it didn't look like, you know, he looked a little shaky at that point, to be honest, Dan. And uh, I, I think he, you know, once he sort of got to Cincinnati, that was sort of like the turning. That's a turning point because it wasn't like he was terrible. But that's sort of where things started to click in that joint practice with the Bengals and then played pretty well in the game. Um, so, you know, I, I do think there's definitely a different feeling about this team, you know, now going into week one than there was, you know, before the first day of training camp, that's for sure. How much of a, you know, we're getting quotes from like A.J. Dillon, who's really close to, to Jordan Love, and, you know, he's yeah. he's got his back and such. But how I, I feel like, for you know, just kind of reading some of these quotes from like a guy like David Bakhtiari and, and the positive stuff that he's had to say about about Jordan Love, how much of a boost do you think that has to, to hear comments from, from, from Bakhtiari, who, as we all know, is a really close friend to, to, to Aaron Rodgers as well? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Bakhtiari has been sort of the – the model citizen this summer when there was a lot of people who sort of questioned whether he even wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, everybody likes Jordan Love. There's no there's no doubt about that. But Jordan Love hasn't started um, – well, he started one game. Uh, but he hasn't started a game as a full-time starter yet. Um, it's easy to love a guy right now. The question is, how, you know, how will they react when times get a little tough, which – you know, inevitably they will. Um, you know, it's not going to be smooth. And, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, as good as he played, Dan, in that first year as a starter, Packers were 6-10 and 10 in 2008. So, um, you know, the quarterback could play well, and the team's record might not be good, or vice versa. The team's record might be good and may not be sold on the quarterback. He's Rob Domofsky, ESPN NFL Nation Packers reporter. You can check out uh, all of his amazing work at ESPN dot com there i know you guys had a chance in the locker room yesterday to to talk with aaron jones and aj dillon what was your reaction when you first heard the report about a possible interest in jonathan taylor uh you know i had two thoughts on that one is you know you wonder if the colts were just using we're throwing names out there to just to drum up interest trying to present more interest than there actually is or maybe it was even you know jonathan taylor's side of it it could have been either um, but two, that it, it does make some sense in the fact that, you know, Aaron Jones can't be a running back forever, right? He's probably outlasted most expectations. Uh, you know, running backs just don't play seven years and they don't play in one place for seven years and very much. Um, you know, and, and eventually they're going to have to move on. It's just, you know, if he, if he keeps producing, then he's going to want more money. They're not going to want to pay more money. If he doesn't produce, then they probably, you know, need to, to, to cut him and, and ditch that last year of the contract next year. And then A.J. Dillon, you know, is, he's going to be a free agent. Um, he's had a couple good years. He's had maybe one not-so-good year. But, again, if he has a good year, do you want to pay him, or would you rather, you know, 
try to get Jonathan Taylor in here and pay pay him long term. So uh, it, it makes some sense, but it doesn't. What it doesn't do though is it doesn't make sense for this season for this team because everything that Brian Gutekunst has done in building this team tells you that he's building it for next year and beyond, not for this year. And so to spend the kind of money that it would take, you know, on Jonathan Taylor this year, what is this? I mean, it's around four million this year. Doesn't make a lot of sense because they're just. I mean, heck, they wouldn't spend one point seven five million on a punter, and instead they decided to go with a, a cheaper, you know, cheaper version of punter. Everything they've done indicates that they are not spending money this year and positioning themselves to see what they have in twenty twenty three, and then add to it in twenty twenty four. Rob, I know Matt LaFleur kind of downplayed this earlier in the season, but you know a lot of people are kind of saying now we'll see Matt LaFleur's true offense or, <laughs> or, or what he's going to build, uh, you know, put together there. And I know he downplayed it a little bit, but, I mean, no Aaron Rodgers. We know Aaron Rodgers has had the freedom to do a lot of stuff. Would you expect to see a little bit of a different offense this year with Green Bay? You must have been spying on my computer, Dan, because I have a story on that very thing coming out nice. tomorrow on ESPN.com. <laughs> And the lead of the story is basically, don't don't ask Matt Lafleur if they'll finally run his offense. Now he does not like that notion. Um, he doesn't like the idea that um, that that they didn't run his offense. Now I will give you a little bit of a sneak peek. Uh, the incredible people at ESPN Stats and Information, you know, dug up some things that were characteristic of the Packers' offense from 2019 to 2022. Obviously, that that's the Matt Lafleur era with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And Rodgers threw outside the painted numbers. It's basically from the numbers of the sideline um, so often, and he threw between the numbers so infrequently. Uh, in fact, there's only one quarterback over the last four years that threw between the numbers less often than Rodgers, and, and I, I mentioned that to LaFleur, and he's like, well, that's interesting because one of the staples of our offense is over the middle of the field. So Rodgers obviously wasn't running – things like that so that's just one example i bring that up because it's one example of things that you know maybe weren't the matt lafleur offense everyone wants wants to talk about the the audibles or the can plays as they call them but i mean there's some other things that tell you that you know maybe this wasn't exactly matt lafleur's offense i understand why he's defensive about it um you know look if you're a coach and and someone says they're not running your offense that well then that tells you that Maybe you know you don't have a lot of power, and that you didn't really had nothing to do with the success. I understand why that would bother him, but I do think you know Hector, the team president Mark Murphy, stood in front of the shareholders uh, on July 25th or whatever the day was before camp, and said, "Maybe we'll, I think we'll finally see Malafleur's true offense yeah. <laughs> now." Like if if Malafleur doesn't want doesn't want people to think that, maybe the team president should stop saying it. Right, exactly. Uh, sticking with the the coaching side here, Rob. Joe Barry, you know, we know there's a lot invested on this defense, first-round picks, you know, money with contract like Jair Alexander yeah. or Sean Gary, I'm assuming, is going to get a big contract here soon, too. How much pressure is under Joe Barry this year to, to get this defense, like, top 10, top 5 unit? Yeah, I think a lot. Um, there were some, a lot of people who thought maybe he wouldn't be back uh, this year. Um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sure about that. I, I don't think... Matt LaFleur wanted to make a change because he's made so many changes already with coordinators on special teams and defense. But, uh, you know, Joe Barry himself said at this offseason that we can't wait till week 10 to start figuring out what we need to do. We can't wait. He used the word, we can't waste time. Uh, and they wasted time the first 10, nine, 10 games of the season last year playing terrible defense. So, uh, you know, they've made some, some, some really subtle changes. 
in the personnel, you know, we're, 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 we've talked so much about the stars that you mentioned, um, you know, Gary and Jair Alexander and Quay Walker, Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell and Kenny Clark. But one of the, one of the more subtle changes is they got a lot younger at the two positions next to Kenny Clark. And they went from, you know, Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed, solid players by all accounts, but not spectacular, not overly athletic. And they re- they're now going to play Devontae Wyatt, their first round, one of their two first round picks from last year. Uh, and TJ Slayton, who might be the most intriguing player on this roster this year that no one knows about because he is a ball of energy. He comes and brings it every day. And the youthful enthusiasm, athleticism, speed, power that those guys have up front, you know, might be the difference between them being. What were they, 26th, I believe, against the run last year and maybe being in the upper half, top 15, top 10 run defenses. Uh, and, and they're going to have to, and, and that'll be really interesting to watch. Rob, just to kind of wrap things up here, do you think this team has enough talent or do you think they have the the ability to get back to the postseason this year? Or is it kind of what you said a little bit earlier, they're building more towards, towards next yeah. year? Uh, I went into training camp thinking that you know, maybe they win seven or eight games. I came out of it thinking maybe they win eight, nine, or ten games. Uh, I realize there's a huge difference. You go eight, nine, or versus ten and uh, you know ten and uh, nine or whatever it would be. That's a huge. Uh, my math is terrible. Ten and seven. <laughs> sorry, eight and there's a huge difference between eight and nine and ten and seven. Eight and nine gets you fired. Uh, not saying that they would fire people, but eight and ten could get you fired. Uh, get you fired. Eight and nine, man, I cannot get used to this <laughs> seventeen-game schedule. Ten and seven gets you in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, maybe you make a run. So, um, I, I think that they're probably a year away, but it would not surprise me if they did sneak into the playoffs this year. Um, their their schedule is is not overly difficult. Their division is a lot of question marks around every team in this division. I mean, I don't know if Detroit last year was that. This, the first step in, in in building, or was that the top? Like, did that is that as good as it was going to get for them? You know, Chicago still obviously questions about the offense and the quarterback, and then Minnesota won what eleven games by one score uh, or less last year. So who knows if they can repeat that? He's Rob Domofsky, ESPN NFL Nation Packers reporter. Again, check out all of his awesome work at ESPN.com. And he was nice enough to nice enough to give us a little tease on what uh, the next one's going to be popping up here. So, Rob. Big thanks for, for joining us here this morning. Always appreciate our conversations. And uh, enjoy a, another season covering Packers or covering Green Bay since 1997, right? Yeah, this is season tw- – again, you're going to test my math, but I think it's <laughs> season 26, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'm right. terrible. This is why I went into journalism. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> there, there you go. And, hey, i got to say, best of luck. I know you got uh, a young son playing college hoops at Lawrence and another one uh, playing for De Pere this year, so – Think they can repeat yeah, what thanks. they did last year? Well, I'm going thirty and zero. Yeah, winning the state championship. I don't know if you can repeat that, but you know, I think that they got a good chance at it. And uh, you know, then I'll be chasing another one playing college basketball. So it should be a fun winter. Absolutely, Rob. Thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to catching and, and following along with your coverage this year. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Let's take a quick break, and then my predictions for the upcoming NFL season. After these quick words.
Get ready to rev up your driving experience at Toys and Ford, your ultimate destination for top-notch vehicles and exceptional service. Whether you're in the market for a sleek new car, a rugged truck, or a versatile SUV, Toys and Ford has the ride that suits your style and needs. Toys and Ford's commitment to quality and customer satisfaction is unmatched. Experience the thrill of driving a Ford, backed by their dedicated team's expertise. Don't miss out on the best in automotive excellence. Visit Toys and Ford today or explore the their inventory at toysandford.com. All right, I know this is the moment you have all been waiting for. My predictions for the upcoming NFL season. Let's get right into it here. Let's start with the NFC. One seed, I'm going to go with the 49ers. Two seed, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, 49ers, I think, get the get the edge because they're in a little bit of an easier division uh, than the Eagles here. Uh, then I am going to go... With number three, the Vikings. I think the Viking. I'm going to pick the Vikings to win the NFC North, and I'm going to go with the Saints to to win the NFC South. I'm going to go with the Saints with Derek Carr down there. So those are your division winners. But I think it is a clear, you know, Eagles and 49ers, clear top of the line favorites in this conference. Every other division winner is like a tier below them. In fact. I might even have the Cowboys up a little bit higher than, than these other division winners like the, the Vikings and the Saints. So Cowboys, to me, are the five seed uh, in, in the postseason. They get the first wild card here. Then I'm going to go with the Lions uh, getting a playoff spot. And then at number seven, at number seven, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I got the Packers. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers at number seven. I'm not 100% confident in, in that. They get the advantage to me uh, just, a, just a little bit because I'm still not sold on Geno Smith. I know a lot of people are picking the Seahawks to make the postseason this year. It's just I want to see it again with Geno Smith. They, they got a lot of talent around, especially in the receiving department. Defense has improved and such, but I don't know. I'm just and, – and I know maybe Seattle gets a little bit of an advantage too because of the division they play in with, you know, Yes, the 49ers are there, but the Rams and the Cardinals, not a whole lot expected from there. So, um, But I, I'm going to give the Packers a slight edge. Otherwise, I think it's down to the Packers or the Seahawks for that final wild card spot. So uh, 49ers, Eagles, Vikings, Saints, Cowboys, Lions, Packers. That's my NFC. AFC now, to me, is the easily the best conference in the entire national football league way more depth on this i think you can make the case for a few teams to represent the afc in the super bowl uh number one i'm gonna go with the chiefs i'm i'm a little bit nervous about the chiefs i still think they're a playoff team this year are they as good as the last couple years i I don't know but you still got patrick mahomes they still got andy Reid. uh you know i think they're still the best team in their division so they get the one seed Number two, I'm actually going to go. This has kind of been a popular pick for even one season. I'll go Jaguars. How about this? I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they get uh, the benefit again from playing in a weaker division. Tennessee maybe can make some noise, maybe make a, be a little bit of a, a pesky team there. But I'm going to go with the Jaguars at number two. How about that? Jaguars, two seed. A lot of expectations for the Jaguars uh, this year as well. Number three, for so my three seed here, I am going to go with maybe stretching it out here a little bit, but I'm going to go with the Ravens. AFC North is going to be really tough this year. 
A lot of depth there with, within this division itself. Pittsburgh, a lot of expectations this year with Kenny Pickett under year two. Of course, the Bengals, a very popular pick to go all the way this year and win it. Ravens bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. Lamar Jackson's happy with a new contract and such. Browns, Deshaun Watson, and and they've got some nice pieces over there too. But I'm going to go with the Ravens in a battle for, for the AFC North as uh, as my three seed. And then at four, I'm going to go with the Jets. I know a lot of people are still picking the Bills up there, but I will go with the Jets getting the, the four seed in the AFC. So, which means my first wild card team, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Uh, I, I've got Buffalo there, so uh, I'll pick them at, at five. And then at, uh, at, at six, I'm going to go with the Bengals. And then seven, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins this year could be a very interesting team, a sneaky team to follow. Now, Jalen Ramsey being hurt to begin the year stinks. A lot of it is going to depend on the health of Tua. If Tua can stay healthy and not uh, get a concussion this year and he's on the field – to me, don't be surprised if the Dolphins make a deep run. They don't don't be surprised if they make the playoffs and make a deep run. I love, and I've been saying it all offseason, I love the Vic Fangio hire in Miami. It is I think that was the absolute one of the best decisions in the whole entire offseason. One of the best decisions. Player acquisitions, coach hires, that was one of the best moves by Mike McDaniel. And I'm a big Mike McDaniel fan, so I got the Dolphins in it, but don't be surprised, even as a, as a seven seed, if they they are a dangerous team and make a little bit of a run here in the postseason here. So, again, to, to kind of recap the seedings here, my one seed, I'm going Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Then I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'm going to go with the Jets. Bills. Uh, no, strike that again, Dan. See, I, that's why the AFC is so tough for me uh start that over number one i'm going with the chiefs number two i'm going with the jaguars number three i'm going with the ravens number four i am going with the jets number five i'm going with the bills six the Bengals. seven dolphins now for my super bowl pick for my super bowl pick here i am going with a little bit of an upset in the nfc a lot of people going with the 49ers or the Eagles, and as I said a little bit earlier, to me they are easily the top two in the conference, and everybody's behind. But I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset. I'm going to try to be different than everybody else, everybody else's picks. I'm going to go Cowboys. I know it, it kind of pains me to say that too. I'm going to go with the Cowboys uh, going going to, to going back to the Super Bowl, going to the Super Bowl for the first time since the 90s. I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily want to go all chalk, even though that might be the best way to go about it this year, especially with the NFC, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys going to the postseason. I know I'm going to make not a lot. I'm, not, I'm going to lose some people. I'm going to lose some friends or some listeners with that pick, and I understand that, and I totally get it. And believe me, I don't necessarily want to make that pick, but there's just something that's – I don't know. There, there's something – that just sticks with me with the Cowboys and with the Trey Lance deal. You know, one of my biggest questions is Dak Prescott, can he cut down on the turnovers? Now that they acquired Trey Lance, does that almost like dial him in just that little bit more that the Cowboys need Dak Prescott to be dialed in? Remains to be seen. But great defense, uh, great outside weapons. We'll see if it all can – offensive line. Let's just see if it can all come together here for, for the Cowboys. So Cowboys, and then I, I'll tell you, I really struggled with my AFC pick because I think 
anyone in my playoff teams, even a couple from the outside that didn't make the postseason, like the Chargers. I, I know I didn't have them in there, and I wish there was more spots so I can put them in there. Wouldn't be surprised if they make you know make some noise and can get in the postseason and make a run. But I am going to go with – I'm going Bengals. So I'm going straight up wild card teams in this. I wanted to pick the Dolphins. I, I really wanted to pick the Dolphins because I'm just I'm high on the Dolphins this year. But I'm gonna go with the Bengals advancing to the Super Bowl. Six seed, you know, in the postseason. They're gonna have to go on the road and, and play these games, but I don't think that matters to Joe Burrow and company. So I'm gonna go Bengals, Cowboys, Bengals winning the Super Bowl. I wanna be a little bit different, even though a lot of people picking the the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl and to to win the Super Bowl too, but I just that's that's where I'm gonna roll with. I'm gonna roll with gonna roll with it it's gonna be completely wrong so i don't know why it's bothering me or or eating at me but all right now that it's recorded and it's uploading it it's all official there so well everybody nfl season is finally here enjoy it send me your predictions your thoughts how do you see this season playing out uh roster or, uh, uh get playoff predictions super bowl predictions i want to hear it all from you okay so hit me up on twitter at dan K-A-S-P-E-R, facebook.com slash Casper Sports. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by hy V and Toys and Ford. Again, big thanks to Peter King and Rob Domofsky uh, for chatting with me a little bit. Uh, always, always, always very appreciative uh, for, for them taking the time to, to chat with me and chat with all of you. So big thanks to them. And uh, another quick reminder, if you haven't followed or subscribed to the Man Cave Podcast, if you can do me a huge favor and do so, Give it a five-star rating, five-star review, like positive review on Apple so other people can find the podcast. And be a friend, tell a friend, share the podcast too. Have a good rest of your day or night whenever you're listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.